Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. Uh, As always, these podcasts would not be possible without Hubbard Radio, who gives us uh, the access to their studios uh, a couple of times a month and have been such strong partners with us. But uh, as you can probably tell today, I'm not coming to you from the studio. I'm coming to you from my home and my guest is coming to you from Franklin County, right? Hi. Yes. yes. Hi. So with me today is Jennifer Massey Fadler. She is the founder and executive director of Lifehouse Youth Center. So first of all, welcome, Jennifer. Hi. How are you? Are you at work today or are you at your house? So I am at work at my house today. (laughs) Okay, amazing. So Lifehouse Youth Center. So we're going to dig in a little bit later as to like how we got connected. But first of all, like what is it? Where is it? Give us the nuts and bolts. Okay, so um, we opened in Sullivan uh, in 2017. Um, we opened our second location in Cuba, um, May of last year. So, uh, just to give you a a little bit of a rundown, we have three main goals that we try to accomplish. The first goal is we just want to be a safe space, um, for kids who we say elementary through high school. So we have kids that come in as young as eight, um, and then all the way through 17, um, until they're adults, um, as they, um, age out, we, we say they don't really age out. We just transition them into a volunteer type role at that point. And so then they, they come in and they pour into the other kids as adults. Um, we do have student leadership opportunities, so it's not a new thing at that point for them. Um, it's something that we have kind of grown them into um, once they begin high school. Um, but so I will go ahead and preface all of this. I kind of um, I get really passionate about our kids and what we do. And so <laughs> as I talk, I might be kind of all over the board. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of a, a warning in that. Um, and this was the first example of that. So I started talking about our three goals. <laughs> and so that, that first goal is to be a safe space for our students. Um, A safe space could be important for many different reasons. It could be because home isn't safe. Um, Over half the kids we serve have parents who are addicts. um, So having that safe space in the evening is super important. Um, A safe place could be um, because they don't feel comfortable or being themselves safely in a social environment with their peers. That could be because of bullying or they're just uncomfortable in their own skin. Um, A safe place could be um, because if they're not with us, they're out doing something really stupid. Um, So, so we first and foremost, we are that safe place for them to be after school um, in the summertime um, that is fun and 
supervised and um, we have a little, we have hints of structure within everything that we do, um, but they just get to be kids um, surrounded by grownups who just want what's best for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, so question, I know you're going to talk about the other two things, but um, do a parent, does a parent or guardian have to give permission in order for the student to be there or can they just go? And is yeah. it, and is it a drop-in or, and do you see the same kiddos pretty consistently? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I, in a perfect world, we would have parental sign off and paperwork filled out on every student that we serve. Sure. Um, just not reality though. Yeah, we don't um, live in a perfect world. Yeah, and, and a perfect world. some of the, the students that we serve, their parents just aren't gonna do it. It, it requires more effort than they are willing or, or capable of, of putting forth. And so um, we do go as far as um, taking those extra steps where we'll, we'll knock on doors to, you know, Hey, I just need your signature or I need a good contact phone number or, you know, to, to try and make sure that we have information, at least a little bit of information on all of our students. Um, but at the end of the day, we're not going to turn them away because they can't get it. Right. Um, so are you seeing the same kiddos pretty consistently? Yeah, so we, in Sullivan specifically, we opened in 2017, and we we still have some of the same kids from day one. Um, and actually, those kids are now transitioning into some of those adult leadership roles, and it's a That's really right. thing to see. So how, so you mentioned Sullivan and Cuba, and neither one of those, you know, are near a, uh, a subway station. Uh, mm -hmm. Transportation, we know, is a challenge in many places, but particularly in rural counties and communities. So how do students get there? We, um, so over the past few years, um, I've written a couple of grants that has provided us to purchase 15 passenger vans. And so we actually, um, if they're not dropped off either by a parent or the school bus in Sullivan, we're lucky that the school will, will drop oh. off. Awesome. Um, or some of the kids live close enough where they can walk. But if wow. none of those things are an option, we pick them up. All they have to do is call us and say, hey, I need a ride today. And then at the end of the night, we're like, who, who needs a ride home? And then we load the buses and we take them home. So that's another question. So what are the hours? And like, do you ever get a break? Uh, because... <laughs> I'd imagine you do like the paperwork during the day and then in the evening you're like doing the thing. So yeah. <laughs> talk to me about that. So uh, yeah, my schedule is a little crazy. Um, I, yeah, so I'm administrative, right? So I, it is my job to keep the funding coming, keep the doors open, the bills paid, you know, the, the staff paid, um, all, all the things, right? Um, so my day usually starts around eight or nine in the morning and um, our hours, our center hours with our students, our doors open for our kids at two. Um, and then we are open until seven in the evening. And so take take me back to 2016 or even further back. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about why you decided to 
found this safe place. Um, and um, I'm assuming that there aren't a ton of other things like this. Um, I mean, of course, there are whys and there are, you know, things like that. But um, I, I'm not familiar with anything else like this. So talk to us about how you got here. Well, 2017 with your first location. Kind of a crazy story. Um, I'm so, here for crazy stories. Yes. I, I have um, three children. And um, I we have an age gap between our last one and our middle one. Um, so my oldest is 23. My middle is 20. And our youngest is nine. Um, and so... Prior to the youngest, um, her name is Piper. Uh, so prior to Piper, we um, I, I managed optometry offices in the city. And that was my job. So I had the management structure. But as far as kids and nonprofits and all of those kinds of things, um, that wasn't in my wheelhouse um, outside of being a mom. Well, when... Um, Piper came. I quit my job and we decided that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And I did that for three years. And in the midst of those three years, I felt very convicted, very compelled, very called. You, you, you pick the name, but I felt like um, I needed to be doing something more than what I was doing. And I felt a very strong push. And after lots of prayer and trying to figure out what it is that, um, where, what direction I'm supposed to be going. Um, it, I landed on helping the kids in our local communities, um, right here. And so that is how the idea of a youth center came to be. Obviously I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> that is where my faith came into play. And um, we are not a faith-based organization, but I, as a person, I very much am. And so I very much leaned into that for guidance and direction and support. And I just began learning everything that I could. I um, researched so many different youth organizations and youth centers. Obviously, there's not really many in Missouri, um, but all, all across the nation, I just looked into just different ones that did different things. And I kind of started piecemealing it together. And then I um, started taking classes. I started taking classes on how to write grants, how to operate a nonprofit, um, all the things. And then eventually, um, this was a really long process, um, but then eventually I started telling, you know, this person here and this person here about this crazy idea that I had. And um, it eventually those conversations led into our startup funding and our building and all the pieces just lining up where they needed to be. And we opened uh, in September of 2017. And we have rocked it out ever since. I was, um, I was going to say, I mean, it sounds like y'all are doing an amazing job uh, as evidenced by the expansion into a second location. And so this might be a good time to talk a little bit about how we cross paths. So 
you know, at Prevent Ed, Franklin County is one of the largest behind St. Louis County. It's actually the county where we have the deepest footprint. We have over, you know, 12 staff that live in Franklin County. We have two offices there and and have since 2010. And, um, and you all do youth leadership for your kiddos who have been there for a while. We do youth leadership programming. And uh, as you mentioned, several of the kiddos that come to you do have parents with substance use disorder. And so I know that you are building in lots of different types of social supports and mentoring and all kinds of things. So uh, you, we've been able to partner uh, with you for the last couple of years. So thank you for that, first of all, for allowing us to come in and work with your students because we know how big of a deal it is, right? They're like your kids, right? So thank you, first of all, for trusting us to do that. Um, and and so so I really, I, I appreciate that opportunity to be able to work with kids in a little bit different of a way that's not just the typical classroom setting. So I'm thinking that my, maybe that would be a good segue into some of the other things that you do at LifeHouse besides being a safe space. Yeah. So our second goal um, is actually to meet basic needs. And so um, whatever that basic need is, it could be food. So um, we run, I run the center like, like I do my home. So those kids are my kids and I parent them just like I would parent my, my kids. Um, and, and that means making sure that they have what they need. We sit down and we do dinner together as a family every night. Uh, we have actually served over 37,000 meals. Um, since we have opened. And this is a good point to mention also, um, right now in Sullivan, we're averaging about um, 40 to 50 kids every night. Um, That is nuts. I heard that the other day and I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, so our numbers kind of ebb and flow, but right now it is it is it is pretty. Uh, yep, our numbers are are rocking. Um, and this is a good point to also point out that everything that we do, and this is how we are different than most organizations like the Y or or other um, youth type centers, is everything that we do for our kids is a hundred percent completely free. Um, they do not pay for anything. Um, and so that was a very important piece. A lot of the kids, if we did charge, um, yeah, they just they wouldn't be able to. Um, no. And so to be able to serve them, it, it just has to be free. But so circling back around um, to those basic needs, we, we provide clothes. If, if they need clothes and we don't have them in our closet, we will go buy them. Um, hygiene products, school supplies. Um, we send food home when we're not open, um, or for other family members if that need is there. Um, so basically whatever that basic need is, we will fill it. Um, and then our third goal, which is where you come in, um, is to help them grow. So a lot of the issues that we, see in our communities or a lot of the chatter that we hear complaints about on social media, a lot of the issues that we see are generational. At the end of the day, 
people, they just don't know what they don't know until somebody teaches them. A lot of times, um, these things are very normal in their world and, and they don't know that, that it's not actually supposed to be that way. And so how do we help them grow? And that varies based off the, the specific culture of kids that we are serving at that time. Um, right now we have clubs happening. Um, we have a Bible study club. We have an art club. We have a media club. We have a sports and gaming club. We have a fitness club. Um, a lot of these kids are participating in these clubs um, because they just don't feel for whatever reason um, that they can do those kinds of things in other place settings that they're offered, whether that be at school um, or, or just in the community, on the community sports teams or whatever. And so we offer those opportunities and they are loving them and they are thriving. Just teaching them those those social skills where they can they feel comfortable just to be themselves. That's a big deal. Um, and then we also you mentioned our mentoring program. Our mentoring program is a wonderful, amazing thing. Um, I feel like every kid on the planet, I don't care what your background is, what your home is, every kid can benefit from having an adult who pours into them that is not mom and dad. Um, mom and dad have to be mom and dad. And so, um, you know. And it's one of the protective factors that we know are so important to keep kiddos from engaging in risky behaviors, right? Whether that's substance use disorder, sexual activity that's risky, uh, self-harm. Like if we can surround kids with, you know, adults that, as you said, are not, you know, biological parents, but that actually care and that they can trust and that they know that they, you know, can lean on when times get tough, um, mm -hmm. not taking the place of mom and dad, but supporting the Correct. existing family structure. So yeah. I have to mention something and I'm not trying to stir the pot here, but you brought it up. So it's your fault. Um, you know, it, what you mentioned was social skills and, um, you know, another word for that could be social, emotional learning or, you know, coping mechanisms or resiliency or whatever word you want to throw in there. And that is so critical. And we know kids don't get it always. And we know schools have so many other things that they're obligated to teach. Mm -hmm. And that not every family just knows how to do these things because maybe they weren't taught. Like just because you have a kid doesn't mean that you necessarily know how to do certain things. But this concept of resiliency, social, emotional learning, whatever you want to call it, has become very controversial the last couple of years. And what I'm hearing you say is that all of like the controversy, all of the stuff has been set aside. Mm -hmm. There's no... Like, there's no time for that. Like, we are literally focusing on what that kid needs. Yeah. Is that, like, what I'm hearing you say? Uh, yeah. So we are just loving kids. We are intentional in building relationships. We come alongside them in, in whatever form that they need us to Sorry about my dog. The one of the... One of the pitfalls of working alone. So yes, hold on one second. We'll 
edit this out once she calms down. Okay, keep going. We're <laughs> loving kids. That's what we're doing. We're, we're loving kids. We're, we're being intentional in building relationships with them. Um, and, and that, it looks different for every kid. It, you know, we, after dinner, we, we do chores together. Um, they take turns cleaning up after dinner. Um, oh my that, gosh, I love this. <laughs> it's a social skill that they don't like most times. Um, but it teaches them to be accountable. Um, but it also teaches them to help their peers and, and to, you know, it's not just the same three kids who do it every single night. We take turns and we cycle in and, and if you get mad, I'm sorry that you're mad. We can walk through you being mad, but at the end of the day, we're still going to do it and we're going to move on. And you might have responsibilities and you're not going to get paid for them every single time. You know, yeah. I mean, we do some responsibility lessons with fifth and sixth graders, and it's always amazing to hear that some of them don't really do things unless they're getting something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I mean, at my house growing up, it was like, this is what you do, or, you know, you face a consequence. But I think it's, Um, it's just really amazing to me that you're instilling those kinds of skills night after night, day after day with these kids. And then they keep coming back, right? Because they don't have to be there. (laughs) So if they know there's going to be boundaries and they know that there's going to be structure, they're not forced to go there. They're choosing to go that's pretty amazing. Like it shows like kids do love structure. They do love like autonomy. Yes. But also knowing, um, that, 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 that there's structure. I don't even know how else to say it, but it's amazing. I mean, the brain science tells us that, but exactly what you're doing also tells us that. They have yeah. to do chores and they keep showing up. That's amazing. <laughs> it's about the balance. It, it, it's about um, balancing those, those type of things. Um, just like when Prevent Ed comes in to do a class or a program with them. I mean, those are required things. Sometimes kids would rather still be sitting on the video games, but that's, it's just a part of what we do. If you're here, then, then this is how, how we roll. We, If it is dinner time, five o'clock is dinner time. Every single night we are sitting down together. There's no option. If you, yes, but also, like I said, we, we incorporate the fun. We have a wall of TVs and gaming systems. We have basketball and a volleyball net outside. And, um, we have puzzles and board games. And again, it all just circles back to the relational side of things. They just simply know that we care and we are there no matter what, even, even on their days where I want to wring their necks or they're doing something so stupid and they know that it's stupid. They know that we're going to walk out the hard, but you know what? I'm still going to hug you and I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to be there. It, it just, it circles back around to the idea of this is like a home. So I have to ask, how old is your daughter Piper now? And she is nine. Does she, 
She is nine. Okay, so does she hang out at the at the okay. center? Is she I, like, no thanks, mom? <laughs> she is there every day. She she enjoys it. She has fun. She actually rides the bus there after school. I had like a sneaking feeling that that was going to be the answer, which is why I really wanted to uplift that because I think that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like your own child is like opting in. So mm -hmm. I want to go back to the and, um, friends. and what? And, and she invites her friends. What? Oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> I want to go back to the basic needs part because I'm, I'm imagining that we have some people who are listening who are like, how can I help? Right. Mm -hmm. And I know you said that you just had like your pretty large fundraiser. Um, and I know that organizations need help all times of the year, not yes. just around the holidays. Right. And um, yes. So I'm wondering if folks want to help, do you look for monetary donations or do you look for stuff? Like, do you have a wish list? Um, how to, do, what does it, are you looking for volunteers? Like, how could people get involved if they wanted to? So a lot of times, um, as far as having a wish list, there are certain times of the year where we will post that on our social medias um, if there's a specific need. Um, but yeah, it's, it's monetary. It um, is becoming a sustainer, which is what we call our monthly givers. Um, we like to really push our, our sustaining um, givers because there's a level that is perfect for everybody, whether that's $5 a month or $500 a month. There, there is a level for every single person to, to get involved. And then selfishly, you as the executive director know what's coming in and what you need to yes. source. Yeah, yes. I get I mean, it. I get it. Yes. Keep in mind, everything we do is free. And right. um, so there, there are some high, high cost when, when we start talking about, you know, all, all of those things and being able to serve. I mean, and food free. alone, food mm -hmm. alone. I mean, as the prices think, go up of food, yep. you have to be able to meet those needs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and having so, in the building that support and pour into these kids. You know, I, I was a dreamer in the beginning and thought maybe we could run it off volunteers. And that just is not, it, it just doesn't happen. I mean, everybody has really great intentions, but everybody's busy and has their own lives. And so, um, you know, just, just having that staff who are, are intentional day in and day out. Um, so every, our funding, um, we, we are supported in three ways. We are supported by our, our either our one-time givers or our sustainers and the few fundraisers that we have throughout the year. And um, I do write grants, um, but you probably know um, as well as I do, sometimes we get them, sometimes we don't. Those aren't, um, you know, it, those are always a gamble. We, we never really, <laughs> those aren't things. So hard. Yeah, so really, yeah, we it's so hard to predict. And then many of them, you might get it, but then you might only have the funding for one year, three years, five years is like a miracle, right? So then now that you've built this thing, the money goes away. How do you keep doing that thing that's so great? It's and a it's never ending cycle. Yeah. It circles back around to our community and the people who want to help these kids. Um, and so far, everybody has been amazing, but that is that is our biggest need. 
the next move that we have is mentors. Um, anybody who is local that want to, um, our mentor program, we ask people to commit for four hours a month. So it usually equates to an hour a week um, for at least six months. Um, and so that's our mentor commitment. A lot of people, um, you know, that sometimes that is um, just too much for people to be able to do because again, we have have our own families and other commitments and all, all the things. Um, so on the flip side of that, um, anybody who wants to come in and teach our kids a skill, we have a gentleman who comes in from time to time that teaches car maintenance. Um, we've had people in the community come in and teach resume writing skills or job interviewing skills, budgeting. Um, we, we have a sewing class. Um, we've had that in the past. Like, so if there's anything that you think that would benefit and you want to teach our kids, please come. Uh, we, we love all of that. Um, our cooking club, we have a couple of wonderful ladies in Sullivan right now who come in every Friday and are teaching our kids how to cook. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. So if you have something, there's that. We have other businesses, other people in the community who come in once a month or once a quarter or a couple times a year. And they just, they just come in and cook dinner for our kids one night. Um, so yeah. you are reading my mind. Okay. Because my mom is retired and she's an Oasis tutor and she loves it. Like she's been doing it for a couple of years and loves it. But, you know, her grandkids are getting older. She's wanting to do more. And she teaches kids from time to time, like, how to sew, how to sew buttons, how to make repairs. Because, I mean, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I, if, I, if I need something hemmed, I still have to give it to her, you know. Or I'm like, I need a zipper replaced. But um, she does this. And I was legitimately writing down as you were talking, like, Talk to Barb. That's what I call my mom. Talk to Barb about her teaching a sewing class. But like that is such a tangible way that people can help that really doesn't cost anything except for time, you know, exactly. maybe supplies a little, but, and I love what you said about cooking dinner for them or like, that is just such an amazing way that it, yes, we love money. That's great. Like cash is king. And we also need those, that extension of those adults who can show kids like that they care. That's well, amazing. I was just getting ready to say, um, they see us day in and day out. You know, we are, they know that we are in their corner, but when they, when we have other people in the community who come in, um, and, and so they get to see that there are other people where they live that actually care about them too. It's a big deal. Yeah. And I will even say, um, even if you want to come in and you, you want to do something, but you don't want to buy whatever it is, the art supplies or the whatever, or the food or whatever the thing is, we will buy it if you come in and facilitate it. Awesome. So you mentioned your socials. So can you talk a little bit about how people can get a hold of you, website or socials, just so if people are listening, they can reach out if they want to. Yeah, so we are on Facebook. So it's Lifehouse Youth Center and then Lifehouse Youth Center Cuba. So there's two of them. Um, our website is lhcsullivan.org. 
And I'm pretty sure we have a Snapchat and a Twitter. But Oh my God, you sound like me. <laughs> I don't know what those are. <laughs> totally fine. If they really want to Snapchat it, they can uh, figure out that from the website. Yeah, I am uh I am also always available. Um I love to talk to anybody who is interested. So email me directly. It's Jen at lhcsullivan.org. Excellent. Excellent. Um so sometimes with founders, I ask, you know, what does success look like? And I, I was debating whether or not I was going to ask you because it sounds like you've been pretty darn successful and you're because of your faith. It sounds to me like you might answer, well, what my faith directs me to do, right? That is success, right? But I don't want to speak for you. So I'm wondering what success does look like for you and, or, or is this it? Is this the manifestation of what you were called to do? I mean, at the end of the day, God's will trumps, right? Um, but in gym world, if I had to go off of what I think that is supposed to look like in this current moment, um, it's just to keep serving kids for for as long as we're here, um, you know, forever, and just to keep serving them in these communities. But in my vision, in my world, in my dream, I would love for Lifehouse to be in every community in the country, if it were, if it were me. Um, but, you know, I think every kid, every kid needs this. And every kid deserves a safe space to go and feel safe and yeah. feel heard and have their basic needs met, um, especially if the families that, you know, they were they were born into don't necessarily know how to do all of that. Um, mm -hmm. It's nice that you're providing an extension of that um, yeah. and, and really providing another family like that's that's really great. It's really mm -hmm. amazing. So, yeah, success is just to keep going in my in my mind. It doesn't end. Well, uh, I am truly feeling inspired. And as soon as we get off here, I'm going to call my mother <laughs> and suggest that she reach out to you because I think this is like totally up her alley. Um, yeah, I mean, and we almost moved to Sullivan when I was in like middle school. So she'll feel like this is divine intervention. So it's a whole thing. So, but I am just so grateful to you for joining me today on the podcast, spending time with us, but also, as I mentioned before, opening your doors to us to provide services. Um, we don't, we, we don't take that responsibility lightly. So thank you very much for allowing that. Well, thank you for, for just being available and willing. Um, so that Absolutely. It, it's, a big deal because we can't do it by ourselves. I can't no, do this. By no. myself. My staff can't do it. We can't do it by ourselves. So nope. that, that saying it takes a village. It's very true. Yes, it is. And it seems to be coming truer and truer all the time. I don't know that as I no one person can expect to do everything and be everything. No one organization can expect to do and be everything um, that those 
that's just not how it works. So we're so grateful to you as a partner and, and I'm just grateful to you as a human. Thank you for having this wacky idea. This is amazing. (laughs) Um, If you like what you heard, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to The Preventable. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.